Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Guns and sneakers and consumer products turn into cash literally overnight. Yesterday, thieves crashed an SUV into a shoe store on the west side and stole merchandise. Well, this is happening more and more. In fact, in the last few mornings, business owners across the city are waking up to this unfortunate situation. It's called a ram and raid or a crash and grab. Stores are being targeted by burglars using a car to break in. There are more of these happening every night in America than I've ever seen. I, I, I think it's, it's more than 100 a night. In Chicago, area businesses from Wicker Park down to the South Loop are on the defense as of late with these types of attacks. So what can be done to help local retailers maintain safety and prevent thefts of this scale? I'm Jim Hankey, and this week we're examining vehicle-led crash and grabs, from what has fueled their increase to how local communities are combating them. Let's get looped in, Chicago. Another term for this crash-and-grab approach we'll be talking about today is ram-and-raid, essentially flooring a larger vehicle, like an SUV, into a storefront in an attempt to break enough glass for robbers to get inside, take what they can, and get out, often in a second car, leaving behind the original vehicle, which in many cases often comes back as stolen. To combat this, businesses and communities can put up those short cement vertical posts called bollards, which you may see in front of several establishments around your neighborhood. And as of this recording, the latest attempt at an auto-assisted robbery was at Round 2 Boutique on the 1500 block of North Milwaukee Avenue. There, a Jeep crashed into the front of the store, causing significant damage, but no suspects entered the store, no merchandise was stolen, and no one currently is in custody. Over the last week, there have been multiple vehicle-assisted crash-and-grabs. One was at Boneyard on the 1100 block of North Ashland Avenue. Established in 2015, Boneyard's website promotes the business as Chicago's premier buy-sell-trade resale shop, and they specialize in sneakers and popular streetwear brands like Supreme and Gallery Department. Speaking with CBS2, Boneyard's owner said that his business has attempted to prevent robberies like this previously. We spent $2,500 to uh, put concrete barricades in front of the store, and the aldermen had a problem with that. And if they're not going to help us, they can allow us to protect ourselves. So for comments, I reached out to the office of said alderman, Daniel Espada of the 1st District. In return, I received a statement via email that will be read in part here by WBBM production coordinator Chris Lopez. I believe we can deter auto-oriented smash-and-grab crimes with numerous tools. My staff and I have communicated a willingness to work with our Chambers of Commerce on any bollard, concrete planter, 
or other legal public way installments to protect businesses. For immediate review, my office has public way plans in the works with Boneyard and other Wicker Park businesses who have reached out to my office, and I will continue to work with all businesses who wish to establish safety protocols in the public way. Beyond individual permitting measures, I will continue to review potential efforts to fully finance the infrastructure improvements needed to reduce vehicle speeds, which is the only way to reduce fatalities and make auto collisions with buildings less frequent and less impactful. It's worth noting that while it wasn't a vehicle-assisted attack and nothing appeared to be stolen, La Spada himself has also been a victim of smashed windows as his campaign office in Logan Square was vandalized earlier this year. Luckily, no staffers were there at the time. Re-listening to that clip of Boneyard's owner venting about the hurdles he found attempting to protect his own store, it made me empathetic for retailers in this situation, especially small, independent ones. Did you know that one in every five people in the state is employed by retail, making it the second largest revenue generator for all of Illinois? So who's stepping up on behalf of vendors like Boneyard or even larger chains? That question led me to the Illinois Retail Merchants Association, or IRMA for short. IRMA's website touts them as the only statewide organization exclusively representing retailers in Illinois. So I spoke with IRMA's president and CEO, Rob Carr, this week, who has been with the organization in some capacity for nearly 30 years. And he gave me some information on what IRMA is doing to deter these types of crimes and what they're asking of their state representatives. So IRMA was established in 1957, and our main mission is to advocate on behalf of retailers, uh, their customers and employees, both before the state uh, in Springfield and their various agencies, the, the General Assembly, but we also do it full-time before the Chicago City Council, Mayor's Office, and then the Cook County Board of Commissioners. So we cover a pretty broad swath. We have in our membership everybody from the largest to the smallest, our uh, membership segments are varied, uh, but it, our largest are probably pharmacy, grocery, hardware, and restaurants. Uh, but we have entertainment facilities, convenience stores, anybody and everybody you can think of probably has some representation here. Is that a unique position to be in representing such a wide swath of businesses? Because you're, if you're talking big box chains to local one establishment mom and pops, you have to be advocating for them all simultaneously. It's got to be an interesting perspective to try to fight for everybody equally. It, Jim, it is a, it is an interesting perspective. Uh, I, I will say that over my time here at Irma, we have yet to have a problem that had membership divided. The policies generally apply to everyone. Uh, it's a matter of scale, typically. Uh, there's very few things that, for example, would imp impact the bigger retailer that wouldn't impact the smaller retailer. And We've had the good fortune of having our large members say, look, if it's bad for them, it's bad for us. And the, the same in reverse, because at the end of the day, anything that's imposing costs is doing a disservice to development, doing disservice to retail, is doing a disservice to the customers they serve. I think what's lost in all of that is retail is the largest revenue generator for local governments and the second largest for the state. So in a great degree, as goes retail, so goes the, all the services we all rely upon. Uh, so retail is very much a cornerstone industry, and I think large and small within our membership recognize that. Well, let's talk about these smash and grabs or ram and raids now as, as, as the new terminology has <laughs> been thrown about. When would you say Irma has started to notice an uptick in those? Is this a gradual climb over the decades? Is this all rather recent? How does Irma kind of view 
vehicle specific, I guess we'll say. It is a gradual increase over time, but it has spiked, obviously, in the last three to five years uh, significantly. Um, I, I do believe that that was a negative outcome of the pandemic. Another one is that just the absence of people increased the, uh, the opportunity, and then they saw what they could get away with. Rob says about a decade and a half ago, a few big box retailers began to assemble investigation teams who began to track larger groups committing organized retail crime state to state. This would blur the lines a bit on jurisdiction, as well as broaden the suspect's reach of who they could sell their stolen merchandise to. So we started to see that 15 years ago, but it was a relatively small group of people at that time uh, and relatively contained, but it has grown significantly recently. Do you have inklings as to, does the organization have inklings as to why that might be? Like why we're seeing, it was around 15 years ago, but not in the state, I guess you're saying that it is now. So like what has increased it, I wonder? I think, again, I, I don't want to blame it all on the pandemic, but I think part of it is the pandemic and seeing what you could get away with, right? And the weakness for retail is, by necessity, we have to be open and available to the public. We don't have the the benefit of being a manufacturer who's able to be behind gates or an insurance company, right, in, in a high rise. We've got to be open and available to the customer. Respectfully to our you know state's attorneys, we've had a, a number around the nation, Chicago is one of them, who have tried to make retail theft out to be a victimless crime. Well, that sends the message that they're not taking it seriously, so why shouldn't I go steal something? I mean, the policy in the county has been in the last several years, they're not going to touch anything, not going to prosecute anything that isn't over $1,000. And then there's some dispute about whether they also have to have 10 or more felony convictions. Well, it's a ridiculous threshold. And like it or not, that does send the message that you're free to do what you want to do. You talked about victimless crime. What sort of insurance does a retail store like, you know, the sneaker shop from last week need to have to be able to cover this type of damage, these types of robberies? If I'm a big box store and I have thousands of locations across the country, maybe all those are under one policy. I'm not sure how that exactly works. But like if I just own my own business and this happens to me, let's kind of go down the road of like what stuff they need to recover. You're hitting straight on, Jim, a great question that is a huge myth out there. And the myth is, and we hear it all the time, even from smart elected officials that, well, you're insured anyway. No, we're not. There is no insurance that exists for retail theft. Now, if my window is broken or a point of sale system is smashed or something like that, yeah, theoretically I'm covered under property damage. But for the actual loss of the goods, there is no insurance for that. And you couldn't afford insurance for that if it did exist. And so I think that addresses the second myth, this whole victimless crime thing. Retail theft and organized retail crime might be one of the crimes with the largest numbers of victims, because each of us is a victim, not just the retailer, not just the employees who depend on the sale of goods to make their income, not just their families, but all of us. If I go back to the comment I made about how much retail generates in tax revenue, um, that revenue pays for the services we all rely upon. So every time an item goes out the store, that is sales tax that is not paid on that item, that is not going to fund the services we rely upon. So we're all victims. After the break, what red tape exists for retailers to protect their own storefronts? And what can be done in a swift fashion to deter more robberies like this? More with Rob Carr when we return. 
worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. And we've seen bollards in place. Like, you know, I live in a suburb of Chicago. I know at my local Walgreens, like, let's say there's a some about eight, maybe like yellow bollards out in front of that main window, that main entranceway. But for those mom and pop stores on a neighborhood corner, from what I've read and heard for this story, some are really wanting to put bollards up of their own accord. But it sounds like, you know, some of them are discovering that it's not as easy to do on their own based on their districting or what have you. Can we talk about that? Yeah, it gets into questions of zoning and what you're allowed to do, uh, ingress and egress in case of emergencies. You can't block it in case you need to get people out in case of a fire, for example. And the bollards are effective in terms of keeping someone from ramming into your store with a vehicle, which is some of what we saw in the early days of the pandemic. But that doesn't stop someone from grabbing a cart full of merchandise and running out. So they are one of the potential solutions for an aspect of it, but they are not the only one. But there are issues to that. You got to get permitting. It is not as easy as just saying, let's put up five bollards. Well, and I can see both sides of this too, because if I'm an older person who, you know, they want to keep our city blocks, keep our small downtowns attractive, right? And if we've got bollards, we've got, you know, we can make them any color you want (laughs) in front of every store. I guess that sends some sort of message about the neighborhood or, or what have you maybe. At the same time, there's a move from uh, a lot of these districts to make sure that these bollards dual service. They're talking about bike racks, potted plants, things that would detract somebody from driving right into the store, but also are aesthetically pleasing. Can we talk a little bit about that? Because I think think specifically we're witnessing some of these independent stores being like, please let me protect my store. But again, if you go through the motions, it's not as quick as they want it to be in order to protect their business. Yeah, it's not as quick as they want to be. And then, you know, some of those options that you mentioned, like the planters, it's a great idea, but that comes with additional costs, right? You put up a concrete pole, there's no there's no real maintenance to that. You might have to paint it every three years, but there's no real maintenance to that with a with a, a, a garden-type box set up, uh, which I understand the complete logic behind it. It serves a dual purpose of beautifying the neighborhood. Who's responsible for the upkeep of that? 
uh, it then becomes the retailer, which is an added cost. Now, some would argue that's not a lot, but we're talking about an industry that has less than 2% net profit margin. Uh, and, and anything that adds to cost is a real is a real problem. But this Bollard thing, for example, is also the issue you have with aesthetics in the store, right? So stores are experimenting with putting things, hot items uh, behind doors, and there's a fine line there, right? We're having to do this for a relatively extraordinarily small segment of the population, but it inconveniences all of us. But it also inconveniences all of us if the store has to close. So there's a real fine line here for the retailer, and it's very difficult to judge what that line should be. Maybe you've seen in movies or on fictionalized television in larger metropolitan areas like New York City, metal barriers that can be pulled down between the storefront and the sidewalk to prevent break-ins. I asked Rob if he's seen such options for businesses here in Chicago. There's options like that. There's options for shatterproof glass. But the problem here is, Jim, much of what we're talking about is happening in broad daylight. It's happening during open business hours. So those don't become viable options uh, for us. There's the possibility of using facial recognition systems, but those are not currently legal in Illinois. And there's some controversy around them. We understand the controversy. I think the controversy was valid, particularly in the early days of it. Uh, where it had biases, it, it misidentified people of color. Um, the latest data I see shows that that is largely being worked out now. And there's protections you could put around that. No one's saying you're convicting someone because of that, but it certainly gives you an idea that this person has been identified or suspected in others in the, in the vicinity. We ought to be able to pay special attention to that person. What are some of the conversations you've had, or Irma has had in general, with local government about this issue? What are What are some of the asks that retailers are bringing to the table for local government to try to get some help here? Well, what we brought to the table primarily, we did the state law that we worked, we partnered very closely with Attorney General Kwame Raul, who's been a fabulous partner in this, and in fact has carved out for himself a real leadership role nationally uh, in the area. Uh, what we did with that in part was we empowered state's attorneys to take more of the responsibility if they want. So for example, in the past, they could only prosecute the portion of the crime that occurred in their jurisdiction. Now, if they were to catch me having stolen from Cook County and speeding through DuPage, for an example, and find me there, then the DuPage County State's Attorney could prosecute for the entire crime. We also secured grant money for the Attorney General, which he is using to local law enforcement officials to dedicate people to organized retail crime, but also to educating them that just because they're seeing what appears to be shoplifting, it, it, it could be linked to other things. It may not be as simple as somebody just walking out with three coats or 10 purses, right? It's probably tied to something else. All we're asking of state's attorneys in particular is to take these crimes more seriously. We understand that there's resource questions for everyone, but again, this has more impacts and more victims than almost anyone else, or any other crime, I should say. I asked Rob, what about ways to track the sale of stolen merchandise? Have there been improvements on apps like Facebook Marketplace, eBay, or Craigslist in this way? First, Illinois, as part of our reform package that I mentioned a minute ago, did include within it what was called the Inform Act, and it required online sellers to do more due diligence uh, in terms of screening their sellers and monitoring their sellers. Um, they agreed to do that to their credit. And then subsequently, the federal government passed uh, identical language. That's helpful. But also, I think retailers can't just say, forget it. They've got to report everything. Make law enforcement take the report. Not that we're you know, trying to force it down their throat, but it's important to document it. 
but it is not easy and it's not going to be easy. You know, we live in a, a different age than perhaps when I was growing up. I don't know how old you are, Jim, but uh, we don't have to get into it. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, the flea markets was the, the way to go when I was younger. And, you know, now it's you can do it by yourself. It doesn't take many people to monetize what you have stolen. Right. Um, so it's just a, it's just a more difficult process. Finally, I inquired, what in the immediate would Irma like to see done to help deter the efforts of potential thieves successfully attempting crash and grabs? In the immediate, I think the Chicago Police Department can follow the example of Cook County Sheriff uh, Tom Dart. Uh, to his credit, quietly, on his own initiative, he opened up uh, a substation right near the Mag Mile, put deputies on the streets, very visible, and that has appeared at least to ha have had some impact uh, on that. And so actions like that are important. What's not helpful is just simply putting a squad car with its lights on at the end of the street. Nobody's in it. You know, I'm not sure that helps. Uh, but I, I think it goes back to sending a message that it's not going to be tolerated. And that, frankly, rests with the state's attorney's office. Look, they're not going to be able to prosecute every crime. You can't catch everyone. And there will be evidentiary issues around some of them. But when you send the message, as some have done, that it's not going to be tolerated, it does have a chilling effect. There's a reason that the retail hotspots in DuPage County don't have this happen nearly as often as some of the retail destinations in Cook County. And, and part of that is sending that message. This episode of Looped in Chicago was written, recorded, produced, and edited by me, Jim Hankey, with additional recording by Chris Lopez. Thanks to WBBM reporter Bernie Tafoya, as well as CBS2 for use of their audio. Craig Schwalb is our station's news director. Myron Kaplan is managing producer of national news podcasts. And for additional Looped in Chicago content, check us out on social media at both WBBM News Radio and WBBM Podcasts. Subscribe to the show on the free Odyssey app or wherever you listen, and we'll keep you looped in again right here next week. See you then. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.